Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Moving Right Along, a Muppet movie podcast brought to you by ToughPigs.com. It's the podcast where we watch The Muppets Take Manhattan two minutes at a time and talk about it a lot. I'm your host, Anthony Strand. And I'm your other host, Ryan Rowe. And joining us today is a first-time guest. It's a delight to finally have her on. Guest, who are you? Hey, it's Michal Richardson. Long-time listener, first-time caller. What a thrill. Hooray. I'm excited. All right. Hooray. And Michal is joining us today to talk about minutes 63 and 64 of The Muppets Take Manhattan. In these minutes, Crawford and Son agree to produce Manhattan melodies. So we start with Ronnie Crawford excitedly telling Kermit that he loves Manhattan melodies. And uh, he, the, one of the first things we hear Ronnie Crawford say here is, I love it. It's so different. So my question is, is it? Because it's like a, it's like a very typical romance musical as far as i can tell like it's it I mean, seem... different in the sense that it stars muppets but it does seem from everything we know about manhattan melodies like it's a traditional show but also we keep hearing that they get married at the beginning we don't know what happens after it's yeah, possible that it's a, a a musical about a divorce we don't know <laughs> oh it's, it's it's the last five years in in 1984 <laughs> but just told in yeah, a linear, also, a linear yeah. order yeah, it's the last linear five years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Ronnie Price just has a 1980s tradition of musicals that run backwards, apparently. Well, did you say oh, something in a previous episode, oh. Anthony, about like there were a lot of like uh, unconventional musicals around this time so that it was considered kind of a surprise? There was, I forget what you said. So, uh, there was a more conventional yeah, Tony the, winner. Yeah. The thing is that uh, La Caja Fole ended up winning Best Musical. And Jerry Herman like slaps Sondheim in the face because because uh, uh, Sunday in the Park with George was like the front runner, and right. then uh, Jerry Herman gets up there and he's like, "People say that the simple, humble show tune is dead, but it's alive and well." So maybe maybe Ronnie Crawford is more of a traditionalist, <laughs> and he's thinking like Manhattan Melodies is so different because it's more conventional compared to what was hot on Broadway at the time. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's I guess that's true. It, it's not it's not a lot like uh, Sunday in the Park with George. Yeah, but I mean, also sure. we don't really know a lot about Manhattan Melodies. <laughs> you think that the second act is about Kermit eighty years from now doing a ill-conceived <laughs> performance art piece? <laughs> I mean, we know that it needs work, so yeah. maybe we hear that a up lot. until yeah. now. It's been very traditional, and he's put it over on Ronnie Crawford, and that's- what he intends to do with it is just to turn it inside out somehow. That's true. That would be great. I would actually be yeah. all for it. Yeah. Frog, I'm, I'm but we, right. other yeah. than the I wedding, says, we never really learned very much about it. Yeah. yeah Who knows? True. We know that but it he does has say it's so different. Yeah. It's so different. Yeah. And I, what I love about this performance and I, I never paid attention to it as a kid. He's just like, he's the guy who gives them the opportunity. Like there's not much to think about. He's not a Muppet. So I wasn't really watching Ronnie Crawford, but He's he gives the impression that he seems like he's found his people. Like it seems like he he's his dad seems very traditional and he's this like nerdy kid who's maybe kind of an outcast in his family. And maybe something about the Muppets makes him feel like he's finally found his fellow band of misfits. Like yeah, he really, he's so excited. They want to put on a traditional show. He loves it. Yeah, he's so excited he's so to different. have encountered Kermit. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, I I think that's a really good theory that he's like Yes, the the bears and chickens and things. Yes, I can be just like them. Yeah, and and haven't we all kind of felt like that when we, you know, when we get on board with the Muppets and find other Muppet fans even? Yeah, yeah, that's true. 
Yeah, hmm. he's found his like tribe. That. Yeah, I like that. Um, but so then Ronnie's about to say, my dad and I have this agreement. But before he can say what the agreement is, we hear his dad yell, Ronnie, I'm coming up the stairs and I want my lunch. Yeah, I like that he oh. feels the need to announce that he's coming up the stairs. <laughs> right. He, he right. could have just said, hey, Ronnie, it's me. I want my lunch. But Ronnie, I'm coming oh. up the stairs. I'm on the next step now. I'm, I'm taking another step. <laughs> well, and even though. No, well, I was going to say, it's very theatrical that he's like announcing himself from off stage, yeah. right? Like He's got entrance what, music. Yeah. <laughs> but what, what, what were you going to say? Sorry. Oh, that he's like coming to unlock the office as they're walking down the hallway. He's flipping through his keys because he's not full, he, he doesn't expect necessarily that his son is prepared in the office waiting for him with lunch on the table. He just somehow expects that Ronnie Crawford is sitting in the hallway dawdling and like, I don't yeah. know, throwing a ball against the wall. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny to me that he doesn't even trust his son with the keys to the office, even though he's apparently... <laughs> Prepared to trust his son with like a multi-million dollar Broadway show. <laughs> well, only if they open in two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's just he he expects he expects him to do well under pressure though, too. Like that's the thing. But, but about, not like, to just unlock the office and go in. Yeah, that's true. Um, but so we should talk about the fact that Bernard Crawford is played by Art Carney. Who is Art Carney? Well, Art Carney is to me, in my heart, he's best known for being in four brilliant classic christmas productions sure right the twilight zone episode the night of the meek where he plays a drunk man who becomes a santa claus <laughs> the the uh great santa claus switch a special with the muppets where he plays santa claus and an evil man who wants to become santa claus that evil man is cosmo scam of course cosmo scam uh the star, the star wars holiday special where he plays <laughs> Uh, I guess he's supposed to be like a bounty hunter, but he just like carries a cooler to Chewbacca's house. Yeah, I don't remember what he actually does in that. Yeah, he's like shows up at Chewbacca's house and he's like, yeah, are Chewie and Han here yet? I brought this thing and it looks like a cooler. Yeah, it's supposed to be something important. I don't who knows, Great. man. <laughs> who knows? And anything then, that's Santa happening Claus in that, in that too, possibly. Right, right. <laughs> There's no Santa, unfortunately. He might be like the life day equivalent of Santa. And then and then. um he is the narrator. He tells and sings the the brilliant Rankin-Bass special, The Leprechaun's Christmas Gold, in which he plays Blarney Killikalarney, our leprechaun narrator. Now, why does a Rankin-Bass Christmas special star leprechauns? Because who's going to watch a St. Patrick's Day special? Right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you, like St. Patrick's Day, you're not selling candy. You're not selling toys. I guess you, suck, you can sell a lot of beer on St. Patrick's Day, but that's about it. Right. So, uh, so that's what our Carney is best known for. Well, um, uh, there's there's also, another one though. There's another a, Christmas one. There's another one, and that is the 1984, the same year TV movie, The Night They Saved Christmas, oh, in know. which he once again plays Santa Claus. And I, I had no thrill. well, a few years ago, I wrote an article <laughs> on ToughPigs.com, which I will link to in the show notes, where I uh, proposed the idea that this is all like the same character, the same version of Santa Claus. And like everything, you know, he he's the guy from the Twilight Zone becomes Santa Claus and then eventually gets kidnapped by Cosmo Scam and then later stars in the TV movie The Night They Save Christmas. And then I, I must have read this. When yeah. You wrote it. Like I must have. But yeah. we <laughs> I, I mean, I guess we should say uh, Art Carney also won an Academy Award <laughs> for playing Santa Claus. <laughs> You're playing Santa Claus. <laughs> oh, great. Playing, That's uh, nice for him. We're playing a lonely old man named Santa Claus. 
in the movie Harry and Tonto, uh, which is about Art Carney bonding with a cat. I have not seen Harry and Tonto. Have you? Um, yeah, it's 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 good. It's pretty good. That was kind um, of a surprise Oscar win, wasn't it? Right, because that's the thing. It, it, it's 1974, so I think like l- listener, you may assume that Al Pacino in Godfather Two or Jack Nicholson in Chinatown won Best Actor at the Oscars. But listener, they did not. Art Carney did for playing an old man who bonds with a cat. Right. Um, but uh, and of course, we, like I haven't even said he he was he was Ed Norton on the Honeymooners. Like, yes, he's like TV's prototypical dopey sidekick. That's what he's actually most famous for. Um, but all this other stuff involves Santa Claus beards, so it's and occasionally fun. Muppets. Occasionally what? Muppets. Occasionally Muppets. Yeah, Great Santa Claus, which is actually real good. I think. Yeah. Um, you know, like it's never been released in, in any format. <laughs> no, but it's probably out there somewhere on the internet that you can find fairly yeah. easily, right? I'm sure it is. I mean, I got it in a tape trade. I know. That's how we used to have to do it in the old days. With, yeah, with, over the internet. Yeah. Just like now. <laughs> with the original commercials, right? Yes. There's that commercial with like the really sad old man looking at pictures and singing about how he's going to die soon. And then at the end, it's like, get Kodak film. <laughs> Do you remember this? Louise. No. It's there. I blocked it out if I ever saw it. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm sure I saw it. But uh, that's how they sold film in in 1970. I was just like, get back to the cigar box for Ackle. Yeah. I don't care. I don't care if this old man is dying. Oh, horrible. Okay. Um, so, but here is Art Carney playing the equivalent of Santa Claus for the Muppets Take Manhattan. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's he is true. like Santa Claus. He gives his son a Broadway show out of his yeah. magic bag. Here you go, son. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Um, but yeah. So, anyways, uh, getting back to the actual minutes, Ronnie runs over to him and says, "Dad, I got great news." And then Bernard like deadpans, "If you two are in love, I don't want to hear about it." Which. That's a pretty wild line for a Muppet movie in 1984. Like, am am I right? Yeah. That's the kind of joke that I think about when I think about this being sort of like as much an 80s comedy as it is a Muppet movie. Yeah. Where it doesn't doesn't feel like the kind of joke that you would have had in the Muppet movie in, you know, a few years earlier. Right. Yeah, that sounds right. I I don't know. Right. It's, I mean, like you say, it's like a very low-key joke. And I, I... I don't know. Do we do do we think it's homophobic? Because I don't. I mean, it it kind of is, I guess. But just like because the the old man is right. Like I don't know. He doesn't I mean, want to hear about it. It sounds pretty homophobic to me. I mean, I mean it's I a joke about it is, frogs, yeah. but it's right. Well, I think right. that's yeah. There, <laughs> if you want to get into it, there are two ways you can look at it. One is homophobic because he's disapproving of his son being in a relationship with this this other dude and the other way is sort of a metaphor for racism because it means he's disapproving of his son being in a relationship with a frog it's like somebody of another species so i don't know he doesn't believe in interspecies dating i don't think it was intended in either of those ways but we it is impossible not to look at it a different way now now yeah that's the thing yeah nobody would make that joke now i don't think right right um, but but Ronnie says no. He says he, instead he wants to cash in on his one chance to become a Broadway producer. And what I love is Lonnie Price's delivery here. The the way that he says, this is Kermit the Frog, and he's written a wonderful musical called Manhattan Melodies, and I want to produce it. And I want to produce so committed, it. He really wants it. 
he really wants it so bad. He's it's just this like breathless, like enthusiastic delivery. He just loves Manhattan melodies. Yeah, it's so much. It's it felt like he had been practicing this in front of the mirror, being like, "All right, I'm gonna tell my dad." It almost felt like, and I mean, I know that we're not like speculating about Ronnie Crawford's sexuality in this, but it felt like a coming out of like, "All right, I'm gonna finally tell my dad." Mm. I want to produce a musical about frogs and bears and chickens and things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, I can totally you know, like you've been practicing this for a long time. I want to produce it. It's just the <laughs> truth you need to know. <laughs> yeah, he even takes a deep breath. It's like he's written a wonderful musical called Manhattan Melodies, and I want to produce it. It's like, yeah, he's yeah. he's really putting a lot into into this little speech here. He's he's catching his breath afterwards. I, if I could back up for a second, when he says, "I got great news," he does this adorable turn to look at Kermit. He like yes. turns and looks at Kermit like, you're never going to believe it. Look at this person or look at this frog. <laughs> and he just like looks at Kermit beaming with enthusiasm. He really wants to produce this show. It's so great. Yeah. And he's really yeah. hoping that his dad will be enthusiastic. Right. And like, he must know that his dad, like based on everything we see of Bernard Crawford in this scene, he must know that his dad was not going to be enthusiastic, you know, which like makes it even more adorable that he's trying so hard. Probably. Yeah. Um, did um, you notice as they they do this little walk down the hall, uh, there's this metallic banging sound or clanging sound? Yeah, yeah. it's like and, a banging pipe or something. Yeah, and Art Carney glances up. like He reacts to it, which makes me wonder if that was supposed to happen, or was that just something Wait. happening on the set? Or is it just... I mean, it's not unusual for there to be metal clanging sounds in old buildings, especially in New York City. Remember, you promised me that I could have one chance to become a Broadway producer and that you would get the uh, the sets and the lights and the scenery and everything. I assumed that because Ronnie Crawford is walking backwards that he just like backed into some kind of fixture and they both reacted to it but kept going because this speech was so important to yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, like it plays fine. I never thought about it until today. No, exactly. Yeah, and there's it's just there's something very natural about it. So yeah. One other thing that I noticed um, when he comes up the stairs, there's a little sign that somebody has clearly just printed out that day and put on the elevator that says "out of order." So yeah, if he's coming up the stairs and he's extra ornery, it's because he had to walk today. Yeah, oh, I like that. Yeah. That explains why he's so grumpy and why, he, maybe also why he had to yell that he's coming up the stairs. Yeah, <laughs> coming up the stairs, and I don't coming like up it. the stairs because there's no elevator. There's no elevator. Yeah, um, yeah. I also wanted to mention. I think it was it was either our our guest last week, uh, Grant Harding, or possibly you, Anthony, who asked if. The building outside the window is the Empire State Building. And at the time, I, I couldn't quite make it out. But we get a different angle here. And there's actually two skyscrapers out the window. One of them is the Empire State Building. I mean, obviously, this is a backdrop. They're in a studio here. But it's like the, the skyline of Manhattan. The other prominent skyscraper, I wasn't sure what it was, but I showed it to my wife and frequent podcast guest, Stacey Rosen. And in an amazing coincidence, she knew what it was right away because a few years ago, she was curious about the exact same building and looked it up on the internet herself. So uh, that building, for anyone who might, in the unlikely event, be wondering is... 500 Fifth Avenue, which is on the corner of 42nd Street in Manhattan. It's an office building. It was built in 1931. Uh, that's the same year as the Empire State Building and also by the same architectural firm. So that is oh. that is the other building on the backdrop. I, I, well I learned so much about your town in this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> well, this whole movie takes place there. So that's the thing. That's the thing. Yeah. 
Yeah. I have been wondering how on earth did Stacy find that out? Um, the short version is she, she posted about it on Reddit. <laughs> okay. That's some, that's some good super sleuthing. Yeah. Helpful. Good old Reddit. Reddit. Um, so then what happens next? Well, Bernard is very skeptical. Well, you mentioned he's, he's not, he's grumpy. Um, so he says, what is this musical? All dancing, all croaking. And then Kermit tries to start telling him and tries to start singing. Look at me here. I am. He tries to start singing again. But I think because Bernard Crawford is so grumpy, the backing music does not start up like it usually does. <laughs> well, he just glares at the orchestra standing behind Kermit. He just manages to quiet down the orchestra that's <laughs> blinking behind Kermit in the stairwell. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of sad that Kermit has to sing this by himself without Janice there to, to play that little opening riff on the guitar and without all the other Muppets to do the ooh part. Well, yeah, I suppose Janice was playing, was actually playing. Yeah, yeah. she plays the little... Yeah, so she... Singing the ooze. So she's cooking and whaling in Pennsylvania right now. Yeah, she's yeah, oh, yeah. she has no idea what's going on. Yeah. Alas. Yeah, they might have won him over sooner if they had had a little dun 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 dun. Yeah, if the whole gang had been there, then he would have been like, yeah. Yes, that's it. He would have been like, I yeah, see it now. So different. Yeah. Um also <laughs> the phrase all singing, all croaking, that's uh like a uh, I don't know, not a pun, but a, a play on the phrase all singing, all dancing. Which I feel like you hear just sort of irreverently used to refer to musicals or like when people are joking about like, there should be a musical version of this TV show, all singing, all dancing. Um, I looked it up. There's actually a Wikipedia page for the phrase, all singing, all dancing. Wow. Yeah, because it goes back to advertisements for the 1929 musical film, The Broadway Melody, which proclaimed the film to be all talking, all singing, all dancing. And I have not seen oh. that movie, so I can't oh. verify. Well, I feel like I've seen it. It's very bad. <laughs> um, well, it, it, it won Best Picture at the Oscars. It's the second. Oh. It's the second Best Picture winner. Wow. Yeah. So you've seen Wings. This was the next. This was this follow up. So not best as good as Wings. Winner. It's not nearly as good as Wings. No. When here's, I mean, here's the thing about sound film. It the craft of filmmaking took many steps back when they suddenly had to accommodate sound. Yeah. You know, so when they say all talking, they meant it as an impressive feat. Yeah, right. But it's it kind of just novel. Means, yeah, but it kind of just means everyone stands around stiffly near the microphone. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, like yelling yeah. their lines. Or yeah, um, um, yeah. That, if you that, call the movie that, all talking now, that would probably mean it was very boring. Yeah, but no, I don't know. Judd Apatow had great success. Oh, that's true. Yeah, these movies are all talking. <laughs> all talking. All angst. Wow. <laughs> Sick bird. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, well, okay. So my dinner with Andre—that's pretty much all talking, and that's yeah. Great. My dinner with my dinner with Andre is funnier than this is forty. <laughs> <laughs> so if oh. he had wanted to make a joke about all singing, all dancing, but make a frog crack about it, he could have said all all croaking, all dancing, or all singing, all soft flippering. Is that how you would <laughs> give a little soft shoe? The old soft flipper. I think that's what he should have said. I guess. All singing, all soft oh. flipping. And then Kermit would have been what? What? You, what? <laughs> I love and it. Then his feet could have given a little. Yes. Yeah. He's happy got this happy feet. feet. Yeah. yeah. Um, all singing, all dancing. By the way, is also the title of a season nine episode of The Simpsons. Just want to put that in there. Oh, it is. Yeah. Apparently, it's a clip show. Oh, it's just all of, musical of previous musical moments. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. That sounds right. Sure, it exists in my head somewhere. 
Well, yeah, season, season nine. nine I, must, so. I must have seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I've seen. I think I've seen them all through like season fourteen, hmm. and much more, much more sporadic after so that. So there are only eighty <laughs> seasons you haven't seen. There are eighty seasons of the. Yes, uh, strangely <laughs> enough, The Simpsons premiered the same year that the Broadway Melody was released. <laughs> right. <laughs> What an unbelievable coincidence. Yeah, very strange. Um, I loved those. I loved all those radio seasons of The Simpsons. All right. Um, <laughs> I want that to exist so badly. It would have been good. I mean, you know, much much like old time radio, the cast play many roles. Yeah. So, okay, what else? So, where was I? Who, who's in this? Kermit. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. He, so. so he's trying to tell Bernard Crawford what the musical is. He says again that it's still missing something. And then. Yeah. Why Why would you tell the guy? He just met this yeah. guy who's going to put up the money to do the show. And he says, he oh, promised I have his the friends show, but he there's would something sell the missing. show. That is. Yeah. He's well, not good at selling this show. Right. Well, I think he I think it's supposed. I mean, obviously, it's for our benefit so that we remember <laughs> when in the finale when he's like, yeah, it needs more bears and chickens right. and things. Um, but also I guess in, in universe, maybe it's that like, he wants to reassure him that he's still working on it, that it's like, he's not just like confident in this, like bang up material that he like is willing to collaborate. Yeah. Something like that. I don't know. Sure. Come the frog. He's like a nice boy. Work is different from I'm open to notes. Yeah, I suppose it is. <laughs> but like Kermit's just, he's like, he's from the swamp. He went to Danhurst <laughs> college. All right. These are both very rural communities. Mm. Kermit doesn't have a lot of big city experience. All right. No, he yeah. know how to but he did some reading about Broadway producers. <laughs> he did some reading about <laughs> Broadway producers. Oh man. I just, I love Kermit like lugging around this big coffee table book called like the art of Broadway production. Oh, I hope so. He checked out of the library. Yeah. <laughs> his, his little arms, you know, just full of coffee table book. Um, mm-hmm. And wigs. And wigs. <laughs> Uh, and and mustache. All right. So then, uh, but Bernard Crawford cuts him off anyway. He says, "I'm allergic to amphibian singing," which, which is not a joke. It's not really a joke, but I kind of like it. It, I, I think, Art Carney really like s- sells the delivery. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and he's just so grumpy. He's just like, "Get out of here! I hate you! I hate life!" You know. <laughs> he is he's, very grumpy. He is good at convincing you that he is never going to be convinced to produce this until. You know, we've seen him on, on screen for a, a minute and a half. <laughs> then right. he just right. yeah, he's warms to it. Yeah. Well, also Muppet writers really like to emphasize the character's species. So it's, you know, we're just like referring to them as the frog, the bear, the pig. So it's like, yeah, he's a, a, he's allergic to amphibian singing. Yeah. It's a joke that you can't do if your star is a human. It's true. Um, while Kermit is singing, uh, Ronnie Crawford is still like, looking on with this giant grin on his face. Like he can't believe this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to him. Is Kermit doing this little acapella number. He, it's like, he knows that this is going to be a hit. Right. This He's like, tell. someday he'll be telling this story about <laughs> yeah. Kermit do the opening number acapella in the hallway. Yeah. About waiting for his dad in the hallway. <laughs> yeah. And it was magic. Yeah. Uh, it was the best, best thing that ever could have happened. Ah. Hey. All right. Um, so then, <laughs> so then um, anyways, they talk a little more about the musical. Um, Kermit says that all of his friends are going to star in it. And Ronnie like quickly jumps in and he's like, I told you I want to do something different. He says it again. 
So um, I guess that's the thing is like, that is what's different, right? Frogs and bears and chickens yeah. and things. Yeah, the stars of the show yeah. are all dogs and bears and chickens and stuff, Kermit says. Yeah. No, Just imagine right. when there are more of them, how much different it's going to be. Oh. It's going to be so different. Can you imagine? Can you imagine <laughs> more this, of them? What this show would be like if, if there was a Beauregard? Whatever um, he is. Yeah, whatever Beauregard is. Yeah, we need right. more of that. Yeah, need to, um, he doesn't even have a driver's license. All right. <laughs> You're going to get to the theater. Um, anyways, uh, so then, uh, he says he wanted to do something different. And this is when his dad says, so put some jello down your pants. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Which is such a strange joke. It's, like, he has a lot to say about his son's intimate life, doesn't he? He really does. So. He really does. He's like, don't be in love with the frog. Put some jello down your pants. <laughs> if you want. If you want to live an upstanding, upright life. Right. Yeah, it's don't fall for frogs. It's a strange show. your pants every Sunday. It's a strange show, but I think it's a great one. <laughs> yeah, dude, I mean, I laugh at it every time. Yeah, it's a it's a great line. Um, I was talking to my my sister about this episode because she and I both grew up on this movie, and she did not remember that line. Yeah. Like she remember when I reenacted other R- Ronnie Crawford lines, saying, "But Dad," she was like, "Oh yeah, I remember." Like that is totally branded into her brain. But she did not remember the the Jello line. Like I don't know if it even makes sense as a kid. It doesn't really make sense to an adult either. No. Yeah, it's, it's kind of meaningless. Yeah. <laughs> Put some Jello down your pants. I don't know. Yeah, it, it sort <laughs> of reminds me of like the the sensibility of of Alf. Uh, maybe more like the Alf Saturday morning cartoon, where like everything on Melmac is so wacky. Like, but for fun, we put Jello down our pants. <laughs> yeah. Why not? I'm amazed by your recall of the Elf Saturday morning cartoon. I really am. Hey, like, I saw I, every I mean episode that of that back in the day. All I remember <laughs> about the Elf Saturday morning cartoon is Cartoon All-Stars to the Rescue. Ah. Where, where Elf is one of the many, many cartoon stars telling Michael to say no to drugs. Right. Which is very uh, important. Yeah. But yeah. in that special, nice you, rescue don't even, elf. you don't even get to see Elf playing Boolea baseball or serving in his job as an orbit guard for Melmac. Boolea baseball is pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to learn how to play that. You should ask I think all you need is like a baseball bat and a fish. <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> um, or just a fish. Sure. Oh, wait. Yeah. Actually, around. now that I can't remember, did they use fish as the bats or the ball see i I, i'm not as knowledgeable as i thought Mm. and i've been trying to remember the the, i wish i had looked it up before this the simpsons bit about it being illegal to bet on putting squirrels down your pants oh is that like a law in springfield does this ring a bell anthony no it it doesn't but it does remind me of there's a phineas and ferb episode where candace backed by a boy band sings a song called simp squirrels in my pants (laughs) so i don't know I don't know what to tell you. That sounds Who's great. to say? The lineage of comedy writers being influenced by all of this started with uh, Art Carney, probably. Yeah. That's right. Well, I mean, uh, very well yeah. last season, when we got to the John Cleese scene where he was uh, talking about calf's foot jelly, we, uh, Anthony, you and our guest, uh, Joe Hennis, tried valiantly to 
get your hands on some calf's foot jelly to to try. Yeah, to try in advance of that episode. I did think about uh, making jello in preparation for this episode, possibly putting some jello down my pants just so I could, you know, be able to report what that felt like. But just to tell us whether it felt different. Yeah, if it felt <laughs> different, but I forgot to buy so jello different. when I went to the store last, unfortunately. Damn. So sorry about that. I'm, I'm so disappointed in you, Ryan. Yeah. Yeah, where's your sorry. commitment? Well, I mean, yeah. maybe I can do it and then add it to the end of this episode as it's a tag. Like, it's like, it's like oh, yeah. cut in with a special report. Just like, hey, it's, it's Ryan again. I went out and I bought Jello. Yeah. Made it. <laughs> put one third of it down my pants. Do you think different flavors would feel different as you put them down your pants? Only if they have things in them. Like if you put pistachios in it or marshmallows. Oh. Or whatever. Yeah, like one of those Jello fruit salads at, at elementary school. Uh, cafeteria. Yeah, put some jello covered mayonnaise down your pants oh Ooh. no oh, don't do no. that kids all right this is this has gone too far anyway <laughs> well you wanted to do something different wait did you have jello covered mayonnaise in your school lunches no it's just th- that shows up in like look at this mid-century thing that passed for salad it was a right, jello right. mold yeah. that like had a leaf on top of it and some yeah. mayonnaise gross <laughs> gross oh that's so gross um but so anyways, yeah, then Art Carney again says, don't you realize it might be against the law having a chicken dancing on stage? <laughs> he hates anything outside of the norm. Oh, that's he true. really has a lot to this, say about morality. Yeah, this is like definitely a guy. Well, he wouldn't, he wouldn't like uh, La Caja Fall anyway. Mm. Like I was thinking about that being the traditional musical of the, of the year. He probably mm. wasn't a fan. No wonder he's so grumpy. He doesn't like La Caja Fall. He doesn't like Sunday in the Park with George. Yeah. Oh, man. He doesn't like his son. <laughs> no, I don't think he's crazy about him, no. We don't know I if mean, Mrs. Crawford is really in the picture, do we? I think I think we speculated mm-hmm. about that earlier when we saw the lady who Sally. answered the door at his office earlier in the movie. But, right. yeah, we don't know what yeah, the, we- the, the dynamic is there. Right. Have you already speculated about how Ronnie Crawford got a hold of the script? Because we just saw the door closing. Oh, hmm. Good point. Yeah. They presumably didn't leave a script there. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Did they not hand a script to the lady who opened the door? Well, no. During, we don't see them handing scripts. You can't say no for an answer? Oh. They're just, they're just singing. They're just doing presumably the opening number, right? Yeah. Hmm. I mean, he's there in the background. He sees them singing. Right. And he looks intrigued. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Maybe he heard the rest during the whispering campaign. That is yeah, interesting. Yeah, he was at parties. Or maybe he, he snuck like, into Leonard Weinsop's office and and pulled the script out of the trash can. <laughs> that must yeah, be they, it. Yeah, Bafo Sacco. All right. Uh, but so anyways, he's he says, don't you realize it might be against the law? And Ronnie says, you mean you're going to go back on your promise? And he sounds so much like a little kid. Yeah. When he says this. Like, this is what Iris is like. <laughs> exactly. Every time that I'm like, I can't read you a story because I have to make dinner or whatever, you know? Like, yeah. It's like, it's like this exact- story you want to eat, kid. Yeah, exactly. Um, but so, yeah, I, I think it's really adorable how he just like reverts to being a six-year-old child. Yeah. Well, there's another line works. earlier, too, where he goes like, dad, which yeah, is very childish. Yeah. Yeah. True. I skipped over that. Yeah. But um, but it works because his dad is like, oh, no, I, I'm not going back on it. Yeah. Just because this whole thing is ridiculous doesn't mean it might not make it on Broadway. So then, uh, yeah, surprise I, turn. Right. But what I love is that after he does that, he starts launching into a monologue that, that begins. Now, when I started out in show business, 
And then Ronnie cuts him off with a kiss on the cheek. And thanks, Aww. Dad. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> so he like doesn't have to listen to him talk about the old days. Yeah. <laughs> he, do- he does know how to push his dad's buttons. It's true. It's true. Wine like a six-year-old and give him a kiss on the cheek. Right. I guess this but is yeah, how it so works in the Crawford household. I guess so. But so he says, thanks, Dad. And then Kermit says, yeah, thanks, Dad, as he's walking <laughs> away. Which is also adorable. But also, I was watching this with my with my three-year-old son earlier today. And when Kermit said, thanks, Dad, Miles turned to me and got a huge smile on his face and said, Kermit said it too. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And I was just like, yeah. I was just like, yeah, he did, buddy. But he's not Kermit's dad. And Miles goes, no. <laughs> <laughs> he gets it. Yeah, we know what Kermit's dad looks like. Yeah, that's true. Uh, he looks like Fozzie and Kermit. Mm-hmm. He looks like the most beautiful combination of Fozzie and Kermit. Yeah, like if they had a baby, but it was their dad. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I guess I can't argue with that. Uh, no. So anyways, I, there's a little bit left in this clip, but and any other Bernard or Ronnie Crawford related thoughts before we move on? Well, I was just wondering if it actually is illegal to have a chicken dancing on stage. I, I didn't really take the time to research this, but I was thinking like, you know, there's like there's Broadway shows with dogs on stage and the the circus used to come to town and like the Ringling Brothers Circus would, would come to New York City. So I, I bet it's not illegal to have a chicken dancing on stage in New York. If you get the right kind of license, you need a permit for that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's probably regulated, but I'm, I bet it's not illegal. <laughs> regulated chickens. Yeah. That's your new band name. <laughs> sure. But yeah, I don't think they have anything to worry about. Right. I'm sure not. Um, but anyway, so then Kermit, as he as he walks away, sing song Kermit says, "I gotta tell the whole gang," <laughs> and he's so excited. He calls Pete's, and Jenny answers, and he tells her the good news, and she's just about to tell Piggy, but that's where we cut off. She doesn't get a chance to tell Piggy. Well, she says the producer wants to put it on Broad. Yeah, we never find out Broad what? Broad Worth. I don't. I don't know. Broad, broad Watermelon. Broad Worst. Wants to put it on a bratwurst. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah why not? I'd watch. I'd eat that. What if? <laughs> what if there was the line was bad and Jenny got so excited that the show is going to be on Broadway and then Kermit got back and he's like, "No, Broadway. No, I said the show is going to be on bratwurst." <laughs> Were you listening? Well, I was, I and I want thinking. you to do the costumes. Yes. They all look like hot dogs. <laughs> yeah, just like Oktoberfest, just like where um. The electric man were just playing, so they'll be it. They'll be all in on that. Oh yeah, um, they'll be swinging. They'll be wailing and cooking. That's it. I do think it's such a smart, like screenwriting move that it it's very efficient to make sure that Kermit calls and tells them the good news before he gets hit by a car. Yeah. So that so that all the other characters know that they sold the show, and it doesn't just like have ronnie crawford okay i don't know we'll find out i guess i don't remember how why ronnie crawford knows to go to pete's anyways but i, guess I was wondering about that well he somehow in found kermit there. at pete's because he sent a letter that's how oh, he yeah, got in touch with kermit that's true that's, that's, where that's yeah. sort of glossed over a little bit but somehow he managed to find out that kermit is receiving mail at pete's yeah that's well, the return address on the scripts yeah i guess pete's luncheonette pete's luncheonette 225 Food Diner Street, New York. <laughs> Wait, where where is where is Pete's in real life? Do we know? Uh, yeah, it's a, is it on, it's a McDonald's it, now. So. It's a McDonald's now. I think it's on Varick Street. Oh, 
So, I, I have further downtown from wherever uh, the Crawford agency is. Right. He would probably be in Midtown. But yes, I have tipped my hat to that McDonald's when I've passed by in tribute to Pat. I probably passed by it and not realized it. Oh, yeah, I bet next you time, have. Next time you pass by, go in there, order 11 bowls of Yankee bean soup. With spoon. <laughs> With spoon. Yeah. It's, it's not nice to... <laughs> Tease the people who work at McDonald's like that. I don't think. Like, oh, of course, like I mean. Although I do like the idea of going in and ordering like a Big Mac, a two cheeseburger meal, and eleven bowls of Yankee beans <laughs> with spoon. With spoon. Um, Someday. Anyway, yeah, it's my dream. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so that that does bring us down to the end of these minutes. Um, I have one final thing. Which is from the oh, March, right. it's very uh, minor, but in the March 7th, 1983 draft of the screenplay, there's one more little joke when Bernard Crawford is introduced. Kermit and Ronnie bump into him, and Ronnie says, Dad, we're going to Broadway. Bernard says, Ronnie, walking to Broadway is not great news. Getting married, having a baby, getting your aunt out of the house, this is great news. And that's when Ronnie tells him about the show, which is kind of a funny, I mean, it's, it's in character for this cranky guy. So I think it getting would, one's yeah. aunt in general out of the house or like Ronnie's freeloading aunt I, who's just been living in their house. Yeah. That's the sense I get like either, either yeah. Bernard's sister or maybe his wife's sister. But uh, yeah, I, I think they could have left that in. Yeah. It would have been funny, yeah, it, but we are, we're getting right to it. There's a lot more movie left that needs yes, to happen. That's true. Right. That's the thing. Yeah. There's still like a half an hour left on this thing. Um, But so anyways, as I was, as I was about to say, um, we called <laughs> you know, the first time you saw it. What's your history with it? Where would you rank it among the Muppet movies? Yeah. Um, I don't remember the first time that I saw it um, because it was just always kind of part of the backdrop my entire childhood. Um, I was a baby when it was released, so I was too busy spitting up to go see it in the theater. But my my parents taped it off TV, and so we we watched it all the time, my, my sister and my parents and I. So we practically had it memorized. So it was just kind of always there. Um, I don't remember not having seen it. Um, and as far as how to rank it, I am, it's, it is so much, uh, imprinted in my brain that I don't even know, like I'm too close to it. Sure. I don't know. <laughs> my, my relationship to it is such that I, I don't know how to rank it. Like my top three Muppet movies are the first three Muppet movies. And I think if you had to ask me, which are the two best Muppet movies? If I wanted to watch the best Muppet movies, what should I go see? I would say see the Muppet movie or see Great Muppet Caper. But if you had to ask for my favorite ones, it's it's a tie between Muppet movie and Muppets Take Manhattan. It's just so deep in there. And each of those big three speaks to a, a different part of the, the same impulse in me of this need to entertain and make people happy. Hmm. It's right in there. But I think the fact that it's New York is also very close to my heart as well. Sure. Yeah. Makes sense. Sure. Yeah. I do like the distinction, which I think some people have mentioned before about th- there being a difference between the one that you maybe perceive to be the best, which might not be the one that you would say is your favorite. Right. Yeah. It's a tough call. Yeah. All right. Well, in that case, that brings us down to the end of the show for this time. We will be back next week in- with another episode. In the meantime, check out toughpigs.com on the internet, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, we're on Friendster, we're on MySpace, <laughs> we're on Google Buzz. You can check us out all over. Google Are Buzz. you on TikTok? Are you on Signal? Are you on <laughs> Are you on Clubhouse? 
we're on, we're on Clubhouse. We're gonna we're gonna start a, a Telegram channel. Yep, mm-hmm. we will. We'll send you a t- Telegram that says "Manamana, stop." Oh, an actual do, 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 Telegram. Do, do. Yeah. yeah, we'll send you a tell. Oh, wait, yeah, there's like a thing called Telegram now. I always forget. Yeah, that. no, I like yours <laughs> oh, better. No, I, I was hoping. For, yes, from now I on, you can telegram. get all the Tough Pigs content via Telegram. Just go to Western yes. Union. Yes, it's yeah. gonna be it's gonna be a Tough Pigs article. It's just gonna be like, here's something people get wrong about Muppets. Stop. Tell them to not do that. Stop. <laughs> You've distilled toughpig.com to that's its it. essence. Yep, that's it. That's all it is. All right. It's the whole site. Um, Kermit and Wilkins are not the same guy. Stop. All right. And then um, <laughs> I wrote that one. I know you did. <laughs> that's why I was paying tribute to the master. All right. Um but what else? You can, in real life, you can email us at movingrightalong at toughpigs.com. want to say thank you to Stacey Rosen for writing our theme music and to Morgan Davey for designing our logo. Uh, and you can also follow Ryan. I forgot to say, you can follow Ryan on Twitter at MeRyanRowe. McCall, where can our listeners find you on the line? <laughs> um, I don't really use Twitter, but if you enjoy podcasts about Muppets, which I suspect you might, uh, you can check out Muppeturgy. It's like Muppets and Dramaturgy also had a baby, but not in the same way that Kermit and Fozzie managed to. I don't know, man. <laughs> it's, it's me and three other nerds rewatching The Muppet Show from a theatrical perspective and very deeply overthinking every instance of Muppet body horror. Uh, of which there are many. And, and some of can, our guest stars will include uh, Tough Pig's favorites, like uh, Ryan Rowe and Anthony Strand and David Bukema. And some of those, those will guys. have aired. Yeah, th- those are nice guys. Yeah. <laughs> you can hear um, them, most of them, by the time this episode drops. Although Anthony's episode will probably drop a few days after this does. Later. Yeah, I'm so, exci- I'm so excited to come on. Because yeah. I, I adore the podcast. Like, I have... I have been listening to it since I think I think there were two episodes out when I started and I just love it. It's so much fun. Like I'm I, so glad likes this show. If you want to hear a show that is um, better organized and more professional, <laughs> you should go check out Muppeturgy. <laughs> yeah. But I do think the audience is very, very similar. So I, I, I recommend I it also. Yeah. yeah. I think if you like this show, you will probably also enjoy Muppeturgy. Yes, absolutely. And I haven't even been on it yet, so I'm I'm saying it as a fan only. <laughs> um, much appreciated. Awesome, but yeah, thank you so much for joining us. It was a pleasure to have you. And pleasure to be here. Great, and listeners, if you're so inclined, give us a positive review on your podcatcher of choice, and tell every single person you pass on the street that they should check out Moving Right Along. We'll be back next week with another episode. Goodbye. Goodbye. Dun, 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 dun. So put some jello down your pants.